This is most certainly true. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He shines the light of his love into dark places, our world, our lives, our hearts. And his light chases away the darkness of sin and makes us to shine with his glory. And through his saving work, we will rise and shine to live forever in the glory of heaven. Behold the splendor of Jesus' love in this sermon recently delivered at Grace. The second reading, the Apostle John's first letter in chapter 2. This is the basis for the sermon today. We know that we have come to know him, Jesus, if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. I could hardly believe my ears. I was in a kitchen with one of our elders from Grace Church, sitting at the table of someone whose name was on our Grace Church roster, but I had not met him in the several years that I had served here as the pastor. This story is from four decades ago, but it's true. He stated that he had no interest in Jesus and that he would be willing to, and actually did, blaspheme our precious Savior in the most vile way. And then he stated that he would rather end up in hell with his friends even though the thermostat might be set a tad high. After a final warning, I said to our elder, we need to leave now. We don't want to get hit by the fallout from the lightning bolt that is very likely going to crash through this kitchen window in seconds. By one definition, hell is being unloved and incapable of loving. It's not funny. It's no fun. And if that's the case, heaven is being loved and capable of loving and going on for all time 
Are you as excited as I am to get there? But we're still here. And it's very likely as we live in this earth, there will be times when we experience a taste of hell and sometimes a taste of heaven. Of course, we want none of the former and all of the latter. None of that hell business, but all of the heaven stuff, right? How does that happen? How is that possible? The Apostle John answers that with a couple power-packed paragraphs in his first letter. When the Lord God designed and created this universe, he wanted seas to be breathtaking, land to produce abundant harvests, flowers to scent the air and color the horizon, trees to produce fruit, animals to serve people. But on top of that, and more important than all of that, he desired to have a close connection with the crowning jewel of creation, people. So he made them in such a way that they would be able to respond to his love. He didn't make them as robots, but they would be able to respond to his love. If he made them like robots, that would be like you saying to a door, I love you, and expecting a hug in return. That's crazy. So he built into human beings this desire, this longing, to have a connection, to be connected with God, which is the basis for love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind. In addition, he also built into people this desire, this longing to be connected with each other, which is the basis for love your neighbor as yourself. Satan had a different plan because he had lost and would never be able to regain a connection with God in love and closeness. His plan was to bend over backwards and do all he could to blow up the connection that people had with God. And it worked. He got Adam and Eve to bite into his lie that God's love is not enough, a connection with him is really all not that important, And they would be uh, okay on their own, rising up to God's level. By buying and biting into that lie, Adam and Eve just ripped apart their connection with God, worse than a marriage license in a paper shredder. And that also left them in the darkness of disobedience and discontent. And darkness always brings fear. Not just the fear of, oh, we're going to get caught and get punished, but fear of what the punishment actually would be, being left all alone. Why do you think that they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves and went try to hide from God? Because of what happened in Eden, you and I have been born with a sinful desire that swallows whole our desire to be connected to God and to others. It's such a powerful force inside that we're born with that it leads us to go away from God, do the opposite of what God wants, and pursue relationships for our own gain and our own fun, leaving others hurt and unhelped. The Apostle John had lived through plenty of dark days in his life. There was even a time when he was exiled onto a lonely island 
simply for being a follower and proclaimer of Jesus. On top of that, his heart ached for the Christians on the left coast of Asia Minor that he had been serving because Satan was using lies to pull a big tarp over them to block the light of God's love and to leave them in the dark on how to heal their connection with God and others. John understood this. He understood what they were going through. Disconnect from God and from others leaves people in the darkness of the fear of being alone. Think of a little three-year-old shoved into a dark room at night, no tucking in, no Bible story, no little light on, no kiss goodnight, and someone locking the door from the outside. Terrifying! So John writes, Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. We deserve to be unloved because we are unlovable and incapable of loving. Oh, wait, Pastor, my mom told me when I was little I was lovable, and I turned out to be a pretty nice person. I'm talking about our connection with God. God should have shoved Adam and Eve aside, and he should shove us aside, because there's absolutely no way that we can patch up our connection with God any more than an aircraft carrier can turn itself around in the Panama Canal. Yet God's desire to connect with people is like the love of the Father and the story that Jesus told about the young man who ran away from home and wasted his father's possessions and his inheritance. What does Jesus say in the story about that father's love? His father's love was enveloping his wayward son, shushing his lame excuses, covering his tattered robes, healing his oozing sores. And that's the switch that flips on the light when you and I are shivering and quivering, whimpering and whining like a three-year-old that, I don't think I'm ever going to make it through this mess, this, this friend shunning, this job loss, this illness, this loneliness. That's just when God comes and envelops us in Jesus. I am writing you a new command. Its truth is in him and you because the darkness is passing. It's passing. And the true light is already shining. How epiphonic can you get? I think I just made up a new word. We're in the epiphany season of the church. or the season when we think about Jesus' light of love shining out. When we hear things like we did in today's gospel, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. With the physical eyes and ears that we have, we see dark alleys and dirty streets. We see and hear dark clouds and dirty lies, dark news about a loved one's health and dirty wheeling and dealing at work. But Jesus' light shines through it all. He's the switch that flips on the light. John says, the true light is already shining. And later in this letter he says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Living in the Lord's light, 
living in love's light, begins with God connecting himself to us. The churches who received this letter from John sadly had been torn apart by division and dissension. It was bad enough that there were some former members who were denying that Jesus truly is God's Messiah, but those who remained in the church started fighting and criticizing each other. How in all the world would they be able to withstand the onslaught of darkness from the outside when they kept flipping off God's light on the inside? The Apostle John says that there's no such thing as in between light and darkness when it comes to Jesus. There's no such thing as shadow when it comes to Jesus. Either you are living in the light and shining that out to others or you're stuck in darkness with your disregard and dislike and backbiting, bias and bigotry. Loving the lovable? That's not too hard. Love your spouse, love your kids, love your friends. Anybody can do that. Although, let's admit it, we've blown that too. Lord, have mercy on us. But loving the unlovable, that takes a miracle. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. Living in God's light shifts the spotlight from over my head and yours onto people we think are kind of irritating, onto people who grate on us, onto people we think are a little bit weird. It shifts the spotlight of God's love from us over onto the spouse who's hurting, the kid who is goofed up, the friend who has betrayed us. That kind of love begins with God's connection to us and then brightens with our connection to other people. And the brightness of that love does not depend on what others do for you, but is in direct proportion to what you do for others. It was a dark and stormy night. 11.30 p.m. An African-American elderly woman was stranded on the side of an Alabama highway next to her disabled car trying to endure a lashing rainstorm. A young white man pulled up alongside and offered her help, which was pretty much unheard of in those conflict-filled 1960s. He took her to safety, gave her the assistance she needed, put her in a taxi. She seemed like she was in a hurry. But she got his name and address, and off the taxi went. Seven days later, there was a knock at his door. And to his surprise, a giant TV was being delivered. Attached to it was a special note. Thank you so much for assisting me on the highway the other night. The rain drenched not only my clothes, 
but my spirits. Then you came along. Because of you, I was able to make it to my dying husband's bedside just before he passed away. God bless you for helping me and unselfishly serving others. Sincerely, Mrs. Nat King Cole. For you younger people, a famous singer 60 years ago. Last Monday to Wednesday, the called workers here at Grace were privileged to participate in our Lutheran Church Body's National Leadership Conference in Chicago. Besides the well-done keynote addresses and breakout groups, having the privilege of worshiping and communing with 1,300 fellow Christians. It's a taste of heaven. But so is your kindness and care to people you know who are going through a dark time. Think of how that happens in our small group Bible studies when you have time to interact with each other and listen, really listen to someone's response to your question, how are you doing? No, I mean really doing. Think of how we'll be able to share the light of Jesus' love with each other and with people of our community when we have the space to do that in our new Broadway building we're going to be building. Burdened with fear and guilt that never goes away and being left all alone is hell. So I join with the Apostle John today to plead with you to connect with others with open hearts, open ears, open arms. Share with them the story of how Jesus take all, takes all fear and guilt away to his cross and buries it in his now emptied tomb. By doing that, you will be living in love's light, God's forgiving light, and brightening their day with a taste of heaven. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.